Hallelujah. I invite your attention this morning to the book of Revelation chapter number 2. Revelation chapter number 2, we'll find your place in verse number 8. You know, while you're finding your place there, it seems a whole as a whole that the Christian world has really lowered our expectations for true Christianity. Uh, it seems maybe in order to draw people or maybe catch the interest of more people that we have adapted this idea, this watered-down form of Christianity, maybe a uh, less than form of Christianity, an easy form of Christianity uh, that is convenient and is more comfortable to our flesh. Uh, I think about what Paul, when he warned Timothy, and he said that those days are going to be characterized by a people where there is a form of godliness, but there is a denial of the power thereof. And we, we claim Christianity, but we don't really live for Christ. And we claim Christianity but we don't really give our life over to Jesus Christ. And we claim Christianity, but we live in sin like it's no big deal. You see, it is the mentality of claiming to be a Christian on Sunday, but then living like the rest of the world the rest of the week. And it seems that's where we are as a whole. We have adapted to this watered-down form of Christianity that the world has said is okay and that the world has said is the standard. And understand that might be popular and that might be what a lot of people like and that may be what feels good and it may make us feel better and we may be able to justify our lack of involvement and our lack of commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ when we accept that standard of Christianity but know this the Lord Jesus has high standards and expectations for those that choose to follow after him Jesus made statements like this if a man doesn't bear his cross and follow me he did not say he won't be a good disciple Jesus said he can't be my disciple he said it's not happening if you're going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus said, you must be willing to follow me anywhere and everywhere that I might lead you. You must be willing to deny yourself and put yourself last and put Jesus first. There are expectations that the Lord has for us. In this second letter that we're going to read to the church that was at Smyrna, this city was just 35 miles north of Ephesus where we read about Last week it was a booming city, it was prosperous. They had a harbor there that was safe for boats to come in from all over the place and they would buy and sail. And uh, the, the city of Smyrna was very well known for its production of myrrh. And so this city was not a poor city, but rather it was a large city of over 100,000 people with a booming in industry and a great economy, many freedoms that were allowed in this city. It was a religious city. They had many temples that were built to different gods and goddesses. They, they, they recognized all sorts of different gods that there were. And they were extremely loyal to the people of Rome, although they self-governed themselves. But in this city, there was a church. There, there was a church of the Lord Jesus Christ that was, that was small. It was a church that was struggling. It was a church that found itself under tribulation. It found itself under pressure of the world. And Jesus wrote to this church in verse number 8, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blaspheme of them which say they are Jews and are not, but, they, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried. Ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. 
It is amazing in this letter that Jesus is writing to a church that is small, a church that is struggling, a church that is under the intense pressure of society. And Jesus makes this statement to that church. He said, Be thou faithful unto death. I mean, here's a church that is facing persecution and tribulation and problems and everything else. And Jesus says to them, Be faithful unto death. What a challenging statement that the Lord would give to them. This statement has been on my mind all week as I have thought about this letter, as I have considered what Jesus wanted this church to know, what He wants us to know. And just over and over again, God has brought this statement back to my mind. Be thou faithful unto death. Be thou faithful unto death. And here's what's amazing about this statement. Number one, it speaks to the expectation in which the Lord has for you and I. It speaks to what it is that Jesus expects from every believer. And here it is, it is faithfulness. That's what God wants from you and I. Is God wants our faithfulness and He wants our loyalty and He wants our commitment to Him above anything and everything else that there is. You know, it seems we, we find ourselves faithful to so many things, don't we? We are faithful to our favorite sports team even though they lose year after year. And we continue to watch them. And we find ourselves faithful to different sports and different shows and different people and, and different hobbies and all of these things. And we just, we surround ourselves by them. We schedule ourselves around them, and we are faithful to them in so many ways. But above all of those things, our faithfulness to Jesus should exceed them. It should be greater than that. That is what the Lord expects from you and I, is that we be found faithful. We should be faithful to Him in our daily walk. We should be faithful to Him in our prayer life. We should be faithful to Him in our Bible reading. We should be faithful to Him in our giving. We should be faithful to Him in showing up at church. We should be faithful in serving Him out in this world. I mean, in every area of our life, Jesus expects faithfulness from you and I. He made this, Paul made this statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And can I just say this morning that all you and I are, are stewards. Everything that we have, we are just a steward of. God has just entrusted to us for different times and different reasons. You say, preacher, I got, I got a clear title deed to everything that I own. That's great. I got, I've got a little, little bit of land that has my name on it. But you know what's going to happen one day? It's going to have somebody else's name on it one day. And if I don't drive the vehicles I own until they burn up, somebody else's name's going to be on if I ever transfer them into my name. But I mean, if I do that, they'll be in somebody else's name one day. Uh, it's, it's not mine. It's not yours. All we've been done, we've just been entrusted with things to be a steward. The time that we have, the family that we have, the, the resources that we have, the church that we have, the abilities that we have, the kids that we have. God has said, I'm going to entrust them to you for a short time and season. And here is what I want from you. I want you to be faithful with them because they're not yours. They're His. He owns them. Everything belongs to Him. And Jesus is saying, be faithful unto me. You say, I don't know how to be the best Christian that I can be, I would submit to you, be faithful. You say, I want to be the best preacher that I can be, be faithful. I want to be the best mom that I can be, be faithful to Jesus Christ. We want to come up with all of these equations and ideas and, and ways to reach the greatest level of success in everything. But really it lies at the simple statement, be faithful unto Jesus. You know, Jesus told the, the parable of the talents and He told the different story of the different three, and he said one had this many, and, and you know one had five, and one had two, and one had one, and they went and they made some more, and they came back to Jesus, and one buried them. And you remember when they stood before him? He said they came and they had a reckoning, and they told their master what they had done. Remember what Jesus said in this parable? Well done, thou good, and not beautiful, and not healthy, 
and not wealthy, and not smart, and not the best. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. They were simply faithful with the resources that God had entrusted them to. And what Jesus expects from you and I today as believers and as a church is that we simply be faithful to all that He has given to us in every area of our life. That is His expectation that He would have preeminence above all things. Not only does this statement speak to the expectation, but it also speaks to the experiences that we might face. He said, be faithful unto death. He told this church, He said, listen, you're going to be arrested and you're going to be tried and you're going to be thrown in prison and life is not going to be easy, okay? People today, there are many that want to claim that living for Jesus is going to make everything better. I want you to know I could stand before you today and I could say, Brother Ray, if you would give your life to Jesus, everything would get better for you. But that's a lie. It's not necessarily true. It's not all going to turn around. Listen, you're not going to win a million dollars and get healthy tomorrow because you gave your life to Jesus. You might get sick tomorrow. The very day after you give your life to Jesus, your whole world might fall upside down. All right, we, we might go through experiences that are uncomfortable, that, that are not pleasant, that are extremely painful in some way because following Jesus comes at a cost. You say, well, that's not the Jesus I want to follow. You say, I, I want to I follow a Jesus that is going to lead me through the flowers and, and life is going to be wonderful and everything is going to be easy. Well, friend, that's not what we read in the Scriptures. We, we read about so many times where people follow Jesus and what they endured was some of the most difficult and cruel things. It was all because of their faith in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's why James wrote, When you fall into diverse temptations, because there is a warning to the Christian that the Christian walk is not always going to be easy. And it's not always going to be pleasant. This statement that Jesus made, Be faithful unto death speaks of the experiences that we might face, but it also speaks to the extent that we are to go. He said, don't, don't just be faithful until it gets hard. Don't get faithful. Don't be faithful until a famine. All right? don't, don't be faithful until things don't go the way you want. He said, you be faithful all the way unto death. To, to, you go to the very extent that you are willing to die in order to be faithful to what Jesus Christ has called you to do. I'm afraid that many times in our life, including mine starting with me, that we have all of these stipulations that, Lord, I'll be faithful as long as you don't ask me to do this, Lord. As long as life doesn't get out of this box and I can do everything that I want, Lord, I'll be faithful to you. Can I say it's not faithful to the Lord if it's only when it fits your schedule? That's not being faithful. That's being convenient, alright? That's not faithfulness. What Jesus is calling us to is to step up and to rise up where we will live for Him and follow Him even to the extent that it would cost us our very own life in some way. He writes to this church and He encourages them. He challenges them to be faithful until the very end. Many Christians like to talk about all of the sacrifices that we make. You ever heard a Christian talk about well, I could have had this, but I decided to follow Jesus, you know. I, I was gonna, I would have been able to do all of these things, but I chose to follow Jesus and look at me. You know, I'm some spiritual hero because I gave up this to live for Jesus. Can I just say this morning, you and I haven't sacrificed much of anything to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, alright? You say, well, you don't know what I've had to sacrifice and you don't know what I've had to give up and, and I, I've lost all of these things. And listen, you might have given up more than anybody else. 
But quit comparing yourself to what other people have given up and compare yourself to what Jesus has given up. You want to talk about sacrifice? Let's look at that sacrifice. You want to talk about who really gave up something? Let's talk about the one who left the glories of heaven and came to this earth and died on the cross at Calvary with my sin and your sin on His body and suffered under the hands of sinful man so that sinful man could be saved one day by trusting in Him. That's a sacrifice. That's really giving up something. Listen, I've never given up anything in my life for the Lord Jesus Christ. I've only gained in every way. I've only received in every way. Every time that I've chosen to follow Jesus, I didn't lose anything. I gained something every single time. I have such a great debt to the Lord that I'll never repay all that He has done. And if I live another hundred years serving the Lord, and if I do that faithfully, I still have not sacrificed much for the Lord. I have just slowly tried to repay the debt that I'll never pay back to the one who gave it all for me. There's no sacrifice, there's no great sacrifice that you and I must make. We look at it and we like to consider it a sacrifice, but I would submit to you to live for Jesus is a privilege. And I would submit to you that to die for Jesus is an honor. And you and I ought to be willing to go to the greatest extent. Lord, here's my life and do whatever you want to do with me. I'll follow you until the very end. This statement not only though speaks to the expectation and the experiences and to the extent that we must go, but it also speaks to the endurance that we must have. Jesus said, be faithful unto death. Now, I don't know about y'all. I'm not very smart, but it doesn't look like any of y'all have been faithful unto death, all right? Because you're still alive today, all right? And we haven't reached that point where we've had to die for Jesus Christ. But you know what He expects from the day that we begin to serve Him until the day that we do die, that we would endure the affliction, that we would endure the hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Here's how the cycle goes. Maybe it's been this way in your life. You say, Lord, I'm going to live for You. And you give your life to Jesus and you say, Lord, I want to be used by You. And you know what happens? The very next day, maybe not long after that, the devil attacks everything that you're trying to do. And the devil attacks your family, maybe from a, a public eye, or maybe it's internal and nobody else knows about it, but the devil just begins to work on you in some way, and you do your best to remain faithful to him, and you stay faithful to him, and God brings you through. And God brings you through. But you know what happens to a lot of Christians, it seems? We start out good, but we never finish. We start out, any, because I say this morning, anybody can start the race, alright? Anybody can, anybody can get on the track, Anybody can line up at the starting line and run when the gun goes off and say, I'm going to do it. But those that make a difference are those that finish the race. And that's what the Lord is looking for today is Christians that have the endurance that will stay in the fight and will finish the course and will not give up, but will continue to press on for the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever way that He wants us to. The afflictions will come. The hard times will come. But Jesus is saying, be faithful unto the very end. Be faithful all the way consistency stay in it it might be hard it might get difficult it might be challenging but know this the Lord will get you through that you can just stay faithful to him it speaks to the endurance that we must have that's why when Paul wrote to the people in the Hebrew Christians he said let us run with patience the race that is set before let us run with endurance let, let us run with stamina and not give up. That's why I told Timothy to endure the afflictions that will come. Because it speaks to our testimony when we stay the course that Christ has called us to run. We must have that endurance. This, speak, this statement speaks to that. You may be here this morning and you say, well preacher, I don't think I can be faithful unto death. 
He said, how, how could the Lord write to a church that was struggling and say, you know, I want you to be faithful until the very end. I mean, they didn't have money. They didn't have anything else. The, the culture around them was stronger than they were. How could Jesus expect them to live faithfully for Him? In such a culture as that, can I say this morning that Jesus expects no less than you from you and I this morning as well? In the culture that we live in and the day in which we live in, and we like to gripe about how bad it is and all the bad things that are going on. Do you know my one responsibility is to be faithful in the time in which I live? That may be good times, it may be bad times, but my responsibility is to be faithful. You say, well, I, I don't know how we can be faithful to the Lord. I want you to consider a few things with me from this text, and I'll share these with you briefly. Just in this letter, Jesus shares with them several reminders, encouraging reminders that they can hold on to. How can I be faithful unto death? Well, they might have, they might have wondered that themselves. They might have saw their dad taken away from church and taken to the arena and killed for living for Jesus Christ. And they might have seen their mother stripped away from children under the persecution because they were worshiping and serving Christ. And maybe those kids were wondering, how am I going to be faithful unto death when all of these bad things are happening? And in this letter, Jesus just packs it full of encouraging reminders for the believer to hold on to. And if the believer will get a hold of and will hold on to and believe and embrace, then the believer will have what he needs to have and she will have what she needs to have to be faithful unto death. Notice these reminders. Number one, Jesus is sovereign. I like what he says in verse number eight. These things saith not John, not some prophet, but these things saith the first and the last. Jesus describes himself as the eternal one. He uses the same title that He used in chapter 1 when He revealed Himself to the Apostle John when He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And when He said in verse number 17, Fear not, I am the first and the last. Can I just say this morning, you can go back as far as you want in the history and you'll never find a place where Jesus came into existence. He has always been. He has always existed. He was before all things. He's after all things. He is the Sovereign One. He's eternal in nature. I like how Paul described Him. He said, For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And get this, and He is before all things and by Him all things consist. Everything, everything that you and I can lay our eyes on, Jesus is before that. And the only way that it even is available today and that it is alive today and that it consists today is because Jesus is sovereign and He holds it all. The Apostle John wrote in the Gospel of John about Jesus that in the beginning was the Word. And in the beginning, the Word was with God and the Word was God. He said all things were made by Him and without Him was not anything that was made. He's saying He's over it all. He created it all. He was here before it all. He's always been. He's more than just a man, but He's God in the flesh. And He's still God today. He is the eternal Savior that we have. Because say this morning, He was sovereign in the beginning and He'll be sovereign at the end. All right, He was sovereign when the flood started and after the flood dried up and it was just Noah and eight souls left, He was still sovereign then. And when all of those things took place in the Old Testament and they walked across the Red Sea and manna came down from heaven and He was sovereign when all of that was happening. But when all of that quit happening, know this, He was still sovereign. 
sovereign after that. And when Jesus walked on the shores of Galilee, He was sovereign then. And when He hung on Calvary, He was sovereign then. He's never lost His sovereignty, but He's always had it. And He'll always be sovereign. I say, the great country that we live in, Jesus was sovereign when it was established. And when it's gone, He'll still be sovereign after that, alright? He's got all of the power that there is. You say, how am I going to be faithful in such a culture? You're going to be faithful in such a culture because the one your faith is in is the sovereign one over everything that exists today. You say, how powerful is He really? Look at what He says in verse number 8. Not only is He the first and last, but look at this little saying here, which was dead and is alive. Just consider this piece of truth this morning. You want to know how sovereign Jesus is? Let's go back 2,000 years ago. And He gave His life on Calvary and He suffered under the hands of those sinful men and He died and He was nailed to that cross and He gave up His life. He was beaten, all of those things. And, and they took His body and they wrapped it and they laid it in the tomb and they sealed the tomb and they guarded the tomb and boy, they weren't ever going to let Jesus out. But aren't you glad that three days later after Jesus completed that time in the grave that He arose from the dead alive and strong and well and just as sovereign as He has ever been? And I would submit to you this morning that my Savior while dead in the grave has more sovereignty than any other God could ever think about having because He gave His life and then He took it back up again. Hey, there is nobody with that kind of sovereignty except the Lord Jesus Christ. And He writes to His church, and he says, listen, these things saith the first and the last. I'm glad today that my faith is not in you and my faith is not in myself. My faith is not in the country. My faith is not in my president. My faith is not in our culture. My faith is not in the government. My faith is not in the dollar bill or anything else. But my faith is in the sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords. And He is the one that's going to get us through. And in this midst of this culture and day in which we live, when we try to be faithful, we can remember that Jesus is sovereign. But remind, remember this, number two, not only is Jesus sovereign, but also you're rich in Jesus. Well, I like what he says there in verse number nine. As he writes to them, he said, listen, I know your works, I know your tribulation, and I know your poverty. I know that you don't have anything. I know that in the eyes of man, you're poor and you can't make ends meet and, and you don't have anything to your name and, and, and others may despise you because of that. But look at what he says right after that. He said, but thou art rich. You see, in the world's eyes, they might not have had much, but in the eyes of Jesus, they were wealthy and they were rich and they had everything that they might ever need. Please don't take this the wrong way. I'm not shaming wealth or anything like that, but know this, there's not enough money on planet earth to buy you what Jesus has given you. That there's not enough money we could gather it all together and we could, we could spend days of printing it out and there would not be enough money that we could put together to buy one drop of what Jesus has given to us through what He did on Calvary's cross. What we have in Him is so much greater than what we can have in the physical things of this world. And He writes to this church that may be struggling because of their low income and because of their financial situation. And Jesus reminds them of this. You are not defined by your financial, physical situation, but rather you are defined by your spiritual position in Jesus Christ. I find it's interesting that when Jesus writes to the church of Laodiceans, they were a church that claimed to be rich, weren't they? They said, we're rich and have need of nothing. We have everything that there is. And you know what Jesus said to them? He said, you're poor. Jesus writes to a church that has no money, and you know what He says to them? You're rich. 
And here's what that means to you and I. Jesus can do a lot more with a Christian in a church that's got nothing but has Him than He can with a Christian in church that has everything but has neglected Jesus Christ. He said, look, I'm not interested in that one, alright? That, that church I'm standing on the outside knocking to get in and they got all the money that there is but they've kicked me out and a church can have every resource and a Christian can have all that there is and be poor spiritually. I don't know about you, the riches of the world and everything else that there is, I'm not shaming or placing sin on any of those things. I'm just trying to place a greater emphasis on what Jesus can give to us and what we can get from this world. And everything else that it has, it all has its place. But know this, you're rich in Jesus Christ. You say, oh, preacher, I struggle. And you say, maybe today you say, preacher, there's more... There are more, there's more days at the end of the month than there are dollars at the end of the month in, in my life. And, and I, I have a hard time making ends meet and, and all of these things that are going on. Just know this, that your father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. And you know what else he owns? He owns every single one of those hills that them cattle are on as well. He's got all of it. It's all in his hands. And in him, you and I have everything that we need. We are rich in Jesus Christ with all of the spiritual blessings and knowing that He's going to take care of everything that we might ever need. Remember, in the day when it becomes difficult to be faithful, that you're rich in Jesus. Reminder number three, though, you're not alone. You ever felt alone? Anybody ever felt alone? You ever felt like you were all by yourself? You ever felt like, man, I, I'm going through this and nobody even knows about it? And I, I'm enduring through this and this is the way that I feel and I feel like nobody even cares about me and nobody even check on whatever it might be. Everybody goes through that from time to time. You've probably even reached a point in your life where you thought, I don't know why God's letting all this happen. I, I, I don't know why God has allowed all of these bad things to come in my life. I find it interesting that this little church in Smyrna, there they are located and there's probably a big temple over here to this God. And there's probably another big temple over here to this God. There's probably a big government building over here that's made out of all of these things. And there's probably a big old wealthy home over here. Got all this money. And here there is. There's this little church. And they ain't got much money. And they ain't got no way to meet, meet all the ends and make everything work out. And they're struggling and all of these things. And Jesus shows up in word. And He said, I know what you're going through. I know everything that is going on. And if you'll be faithful, then I'll see you through. And I'll make a way. And I'll get you through. And I'll make sure that there is a way that is open to get you through what you are going through. There are times that we feel alone and we feel like we're all by ourselves. And nobody knows about it and nobody cares. I would remind you this morning that Jesus knows. And Jesus is very well aware of all that you are going through and all that you have experienced in your life. You know how He showed up to them? Listen, He didn't show up necessarily in His presence. Jesus didn't show up, open the door, come in, say, y'all come around me and let me comfort you. You know what He did? He showed up in Word. And what the Christian today wants, the Christian today wants Jesus to walk up and sit beside them, hold their hand and make everything better. That'd be awesome, alright? But I'm just going to tell you, Jesus isn't going to show up like I'm standing in front of Brother Bobby today. This is not the way He works. He's not going to show up in bodily form and pick you up and carry you through. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for a, an airplane to come by with a sign that says exactly what to do and where to meet Jesus and, and get all of That's not how He works though. That's not what He's doing. That's what we want. And boy, that'd be awesome. But He has given us an inspired and infallible, a perfect, preserved, powerful Word that we can take and we can read and we can study. And His presence is there when we open that Word. It is alive and it is sharp and it is quick and it is sharper than any two-edged sword and it can get to the very intent 
of your heart and it will show you the presence of God when you open that thing. You say, well, I want Jesus to show up. Can I say, Jesus wants to show up in your life. He wants to move in your life. He wants to make you comfortable. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you strength. But it's going to be through this that He does that in our life. And if you feel alone, but you haven't picked up your Bible since last Sunday, then friend, get ready to feel alone for the rest of your life because it is the Word of God that's going to make a difference in your life. He said, I know, I know what you're going through. And I'm writing you a letter to remind you that I'm with you, that I love you, and that I'll carry you through. I don't know about you. We talked a little bit in Sunday school, though. Sometimes you open this Bible up. You don't know where you're reading. You don't know what you're reading. You don't even know what you're looking for. And you get to reading, and it's like God just shows up. And it's like the Holy Ghost just walks in and begins to move in your heart and in your mind. And if you've never, if you've never experienced that, I'm telling you, you're missing out on being a Christian, all right? You're missing out on belonging to the King and having a copy of God's Word if you've never opened it up and let the Holy Spirit just come into your heart and your mind through His Word and remind you of all of His promises. This church was not alone. And Jesus showed up in the midst of their conflict and reminded them of His great promises and what He could do. And He does the same in our life. The fourth reminder that I want you to take this morning is that your present circumstances, they're just temporary. You say, how am I going to be faithful unto death? Look at what I'm going through. Look at everything that's going on in my life. Look at what he says in verse number 10. Fear none of those things. None of them. And absolutely nothing. He said, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. The devil will cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. And look at this. You shall have tribulation ten days. You say, what's the significance of 10 days? I, maybe they couldn't, the prison couldn't put up with a Baptist in there for 10 days. I don't know what it was, but he said it was going to be temporary. He said it wasn't going to last forever. He, what he was saying to them is, listen, you might suffer and you might endure some things. Just know that the dungeon that you're going in is not your forever. It is not what your entire life and makeup will consist of, but it is only temporary. And I would encourage you this morning that that bad situation that you're going through, it's it's not your forever. And that heartache that you have is not your forever. And that sickness that you deal with is not your forever. And that mistake that you made and you deal with the consequences of it, it's not your forever. All of those things that you might suffer here on planet earth, they are not your forever. But they are circumstances that are just temporary, that have an expiration date, that will come to pass at some time. There is coming a day that in your dungeon that you are going going in through there is going to be a divine interruption where heavenly deliverance meets the earthly dilemma and guess who wins it's God that wins and he'll get you through that he's saying just know the present circumstances are temporary and they are not forever you say how am I going to be faithful you're going to be faithful because you know that there's another side to this and you know what the Bible says this too shall come to pass it's not my forever. That's why Paul said it this way, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a more, far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen, notice this, are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Everything that I can see today, all of the wrong and corruption and sin and sickness and death that's going on around us, 
It's all temporal. And one day it's going to come to pass. And this dungeon that we live in is going to be encountered by the deliverance of heaven one day. And all of this will be said and done and it will be gone away. And we'll never deal with it again. And so in the midst of that conflict, be faithful. Because you know these present circumstances are temporary. Notice this. Reminder number five, there is a reward for faithfulness. He tells him here in verse number 10, he said, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. As Jesus said, just know you remain faithful and you stay faithful. There's coming a day that you are going to stand before me and I will reward your faithfulness. Can you imagine standing before the King of Kings, the Savior that died on Calvary and to stand before Him and to hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, and to extend to you a sinner that has done nothing to get into heaven a crown of life that you could cast at His feet. What a privilege that is. I'm afraid that many times we have become so concerned and wrapped up in all of the earthly rewards and accolades and accomplishments. And understand that I am for those. I promote those. I celebrate every accomplishment that you'll ever make. Okay, So don't go out of here and twist my words and say that the preacher said we shouldn't strive for earthly success or accolades or accomplishments. But it seems that we put so much emphasis on those in our lives and very little emphasis on the heavenly rewards. You say, well, preacher, if I'm faithful to the Lord Jesus, I might not be able to do all of these things and I might not get all of this. I would ask you this morning, have you considered what might happen if you're not faithful to the Lord though? If I'm faithful, I might not get all of this. But if you're not faithful, you'll miss out on that crown of life that the Lord Jesus would give to you. Listen, I'm not saying compare the two and make decisions on which this or that. All I'm saying is this, ask yourself and be honest with yourself. Are you as concerned and interested and is there you, do you have the same desire for heavenly rewards as you do for earthly rewards? Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, the two trophies that I've earned in the last 29 years of my life for participating, you know what's going to happen to those trophies, Brother Bobby? They're going to be gone. Every title, every degree, every accomplishment, every, everything that I've ever got, while it had its place and I'm thankful for it and I celebrated it and all of those things, it's all going to be gone. And when I stand before Jesus... All of that will be based on whether or not I was faithful to Him. And whether or not I was faithful to what He had called me to be. And it will be worth it all when you stand before Jesus and He rewards you for your faithfulness. Let me give you this last reminder and I'll be done. Reminder number six, we don't have to worry about the lake of fire. Jesus says in verse number 11, He that overcometh shall not be burned, or shall not be hurt, excuse me, of the second death. Jesus concludes this letter with this promise to the overcomer. He said, listen, what you don't have to worry about as an overcomer, you don't have to worry about the second death. If you'll continue to read in the book of Revelation, we get a little bit of enlightenment about to that promise. Number one, we learn what the second death is. The second death is the lake of fire. It is when all of those that will stand before Jesus... They'll be judged according to their books, their names not found in the book of life, and they're cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. And you might ask, you might say, well, where's the lake of fire? Today I cannot tell you a geographical location of where the lake of fire is, but here's what I do know about the lake of fire. I do know that it's a place of eternal torments. And I do know that it's a place of eternal suffering. I know that it's a place of eternal separation from a holy and righteous God, and that it is a place of no second chances. I believe that it is a place of literal burning. I believe that it is a place of literal screaming, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. I believe that it is a place where people will feel it by the millions. 
yet be totally isolated from one another. I believe that it is a place that is totally dark and there is absolutely no light in that place whatsoever. It is a place of an awful smell and of a great heat that people will be in for all of eternity. Know this, the lake of fire does not expire after a hundred years. The fire doesn't go out after a thousand years. Listen, a million years from now, and you know what will still be going on? People will still be in the lake of fire suffering. For all of eternity, there is no end to say, well, you know what, I think I can handle it for six months. The problem is it doesn't end after six months. It goes on for all of eternity that people will suffer in the lake of fire. Young, old, boys, girls, men, women, listen, the list goes on and on. They say, well, I want to be an overcomer. Well, the rest of the book tells us how to do that as well. It says they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb. And I can tell you this morning, I'm an overcomer, and I don't have to worry about the lake of fire, not because I just stood and preached, not because I came to church, not because I got baptized, not because I'm religious, not because anything that I've ever done, except one thing, I trusted in Jesus Christ and He washed me in the blood. And ever since that day when I was nine years old and I called on the King of Kings to save my soul, my name has been written down, sealed, covered in the blood of Jesus, and I never have to worry about the lake of fire. I can lay my head down every night. You want to know one of the greatest privileges of being saved? is I can lay my head down every night, not knowing a clue what will happen tomorrow. Tragedy may fall, sickness may strike, whatever may come tomorrow. But I can lay my head down tonight knowing that if I close my eyes in death, I will open them in the grandstands of glory that day. And I will be with the King for the rest of eternity. And I have complete confidence. You say, well, that's arrogant to have complete confidence. It's not in me. It's all in Jesus Christ. All right, My, my confidence is in nothing that I've done. It is simply that I trusted the one who told me, if you trust me, I'll save you for all of eternity. And you never have to worry about hell again. Listen, I don't hope to go to heaven. I'm not wishing that I go to heaven, but I know that I'll go to heaven one day because of what Jesus did for me. I can be faithful and you can be faithful unto death because come what may, whatever it does to us and whatever we experience, we know that on the other side there awaits a home that has been prepared by the hands of Jesus. And that it is reserved and kept by His power and His power alone. And in His time, we'll end up there when He sees fit. Whatever we might go through here, be faithful unto death. Let me ask you this, lost person. I want to ask you to stand with me. We'll have a verse of invitation. But if you're here today and you die, let me just ask you this in the most simplest way that I know how. If you died today and you were to stand before God, and God were to ask you, why? Why should I let you into my heaven? What would your answer be today? Would you say, well, well, I was at church on that Sunday, or I did this or that. I want you to know the only answer that's going to grant you access into glory is I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior. And if you can't go back to some point that you trusted in Christ, I would beg of you this morning to make today the day of salvation. If you are a child of God, let's determine in our hearts to be faithful unto death as we sing.